Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. And whoa, one can feel the very special Erev Yom Tov coming in the air. Emir Hashem, this coming Sunday night, the Yom Tov of Sukkos. I'll try to go a little bit chronologically in order and let's understand that tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Ha'azinu. According to the Rambam, and the Chinuch follows the Rambam, we have already fulfilled, or already enumerated, the 613th mitzvah of the Torah, which is to write a safe Torah. And so there are no mitzvahs found in Parshas um, Ha'azinu. According to the Ramban, however, the Ramban says, wait a minute, the Rambam forgot to count the mitzvah of Birkas HaTorah. Now, basically, it's safe to say that all brachos that we recite, be it over food, be it uh, over mitzvahs, be it uh, blessings of praise and thanksgiving, including the Asher Yatsar, when we use the bathroom, all brachos are rabbinic. The only biblical blessings from the Torah are, one, Birkas HaMazon, that's clear, as found in Parshas Ekev, Yochalto V'savoto Uverachto, two, Birkas Kohanim, which is a different kind of bracha, and now, according to the Ramban, the last and only one, which is the Orisa, is Birkas HaTorah. This is based on the third verse in Parshas HaAzinu, Kishem Hashem Ekra, Ki, when I call the name of God, the Torah is the name of God. So before I study Torah, I will go to Lelokeinu, give praise to Hashem, recite a bracha. Now, the Ramban understands Birkas HaTorah, the blessings that we recite every morning uh, in conjunction with the Torah, is to praise God for His giving us the Torah, entrusting His most uh, precious possession with the Jewish people. And this is a very, very uh, important bracha, one that both men and women should recite every single day because not only are men obligated to study Torah, but women certainly are obligated to study those mitzvos that are applicable to them. A woman has an apartment, she needs to know the laws of mezuzah. She needs to know, like every other Jew, the laws of Kashrus. She needs to know the laws of Shabbos. So there are so many laws that women are obligated in as well. And therefore, the uh, and in addition, we're saying that the nature of this bracha is not just a birkas ha-mitzvah, like the Rambam learns, but it's a blessing of praise and thanksgiving to Hashem for the very fact, for the object the Chepzah of Torah that God has entrusted to the Jewish people. We read the song of Azinu 
and basically the Ramban writes on his commentary to Hazinu how important it is that it focuses on past, present, future. God created the world, God chose the Jewish people as his people to reflect and teach the entire world how basic, what you would call menschlichkeit, seven mitzvos that they should know, etc. Unfortunately, the Jewish people have forsaken along the way their obligation. They were there for exile, deserved to be uh, annihilated. However, that would be a horrific desecration of Hashem's name, Mechil Hashem. So Hashem will never destroy the Jewish people. And not only that, Hashem controls history. He controls the destiny of the world. And therefore, one could say that these verses of the Shira, which are, I'll tell you in a moment, I believe, 43 verses of Shira. Correct. 43 verses to Vachiper Admoso Amo. These verses are considered song because we are so elated. And this is what the song teaches us that Hashem is always watching over B'nai Yisrael. Okay, let's move on, Mirz Hashem, to the Yom Tov of Sukkos. The Yom Tov, which is called by the Torah, Zaman Simchasenu, in the sense that the Torah uses the term Simcha twice when it comes to Sukkos. It does not use it by Pesach. Once when it comes to Shavuos, this is at the end of Parshas Re'eh, twice by Sukkos, that Sukkos is the time of Simcha. The Simcha on Sukkos comes from many different factors. One, it is the completion of the Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrim festivals, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos. Secondly, it is the Chag HaOsif, it is the time when the Jew takes in his harvest and there is that happiness and joy when one realizes the bounty that he has and rather than pat himself on the back, take the credit for that which he has, it's clear that he says, thank you Hashem. He says the thank you Hashem by taking the Arba Minim, the four species, the Esrog, Lulav, Hadassim, and Aravos, a kind of representation of the agricultural bounty and success of the Jewish farmer. And with this, he says, thank you Hashem. And in addition, what's happening with Sukkos is that we relive and this is what I'm telling you now is exceedingly important 
that we should discuss this and relate this at your Yom Tov table Sunday night and throughout Sukkos. The Torah tells us why we are sitting in a Sukkah. Namely, in Pashas Emor, Kibasukos, Hoshavti Espinei Israel, in Sukkos, that I cause the Jewish people to reside, when I took them out of Egypt. Now, really, we should, if that's the case, observe Sukkos in the springtime. However, the Sukkos represent the following. When we left Egypt, we had clouds that protected us in the desert. When we committed the sin of the golden calf, these clouds left us. When, however, we rebuilt, well, first of all, we atoned for the um, sin of the golden calf. On Yom Kippur, Hashem said to Moshe and the Jewish people, Solachti, I forgive the Jewish people, as we just experienced Baruch Hashem, the Kapara atonement of Yom Kippur. After Yom Kippur, Moshe was given the command and gave it over to the Jewish people to build a sanctuary. They, several days, ready all the material and they start building the sanctuary on the 15th of Tishrei, five days after the uh, Yom Kippur, five days after they have been forgiven. Ah, this is when the clouds of glory came back. So because the Ananik HaKavod came back on the 15th of Tishrei, that is why, explains the Vilna Gaon, the holiday is observed in the fall on the 15th day of Tishrei. Now, Rav Hirsch says so beautifully that Pesach, we celebrate the Exodus, which is the physical creation of the Jewish people. And Shavuos, we celebrate the giving of the Torah, which is our spiritual creation of the Jewish people. And Sukkos represents, and we celebrate, the remarkable physical survival and continuity of the Jewish people, namely, to survive 40 years in the desert without a Carvel, Starbucks, any kosher supermarket, to literally depend on only God's providing, nothing less than a five-star hotel. How so? Besides room and board, that the clouds 
of Gulori, the Ananei Kavod, provided for the Jewish people so that the snakes and other kinds of animals did not affect them from the floor, from the ground. And they had air conditioning by day. They had heat by night. They had mun coming down from the heavens. They had the water from the well of Miriam. And this, wait a second, let's not forget that their clothing grew with them, that their clothing was pressed fresh each night, and in the morning it was fresh to be put on. Incredible, these miracles for the people as a whole and for each of them individually gives us the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, key word, protected them then, and He does so now. The Sukkah is understood to be not only a reminder of a specific historical period, namely the 40 years in the desert, but rather a, an experience that renews our awareness of Hashem's personal relationship with the Jewish people throughout history. The desert symbolizes our exile and wandering, while the clouds represent Hashem's unceasing protection and care. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the sukkah. The sukkah is to be made out of three walls. Interesting, take a look and see in Parshas Emor how the Torah spells the word Sukkos. Uh, the first two times, Choser, without a Vav. The rabbis learn that while four walls is preferable for privacy and warmth, etc., Alpidin, even three walls would be sufficient. The walls can be made of anything that do not, I'll use the word, flap in the wind. They have to be sturdy. They cannot, as I said, uh, flap in the wind. And so if you had a sukkah on a boat, considering that the winds out at sea are much stronger, your walls would have to be able to withstand the uh, winds at sea. Now, the pro the it's called sukkah al shame haschach. Now, the schach is uh, material of vegetable origin. It has to be detached from the ground, which is not subject to the laws of ritual impurity. In other words, I have a tree in my backyard. I'll build my sukkah up to the tree. The answer is no. It would not be a kosher sukkah because the branches are still attached to the tree. I'd have to detach them. But that example is not a good one for most situations because if the tree has other branches and it's going to be more than 50% 
uh, of the shade coming from the tree, that would disqualify the sukkah. The sukkah has to be, by high noon, the schach, which is the vegetative covering of the uh, branches, okay, the branches, bamboo poles, or the specific bamboo shades, right, that are manufactured for that purpose exclusively, not manufactured for uh, the use as mats, and then taken to be used on your sukkah, uh, small wooden slats, these are all examples of what you would call kosher schach. The fruit should not be left on the branches. And the schach should not be nailed down to the sukkah. And one more time, the schach should preferably not lie directly on something which is subject to ritual impurity, namely metal poles. And therefore, what is customarily done is that one places a wooden board over the poles and has the schach resting on those wooden poles, not poles, the wooden uh, board, and thereby it's not resting on the metal. Okay, now, again, the sukkah should not be built under any projection, a ledge, an overhang, or a tree. Okay, now, in all these situations, as we're going to describe the sukkah, so, one, if you have any question about the halachic legitimacy of your sukkah, please call your Rav today or certainly early Sunday. Ask him to please make a house call to check on the kashrus of your sukkah. There is a biblical mitzvah to sit in the sukkah all seven days of Sukkot in Eretz Yisrael, eight days outside of Eretz Yisrael. And residence includes eating, sleeping. Now, when it comes to sleeping, unless, and this is not uncommon, married men, according to the Ramah, are excused from the Sukkah. Okay? Now, if a uh, weather permitting, not too cold, certainly not R-A-I-N-I-N-G. Unmarried men could, should sleep in the sukkah. Including in Sukkot's Teshvu, where the Torah says we are to reside in sukkahs for seven days, understood by the Talmud to mean Teshvu Ke'en Toduru. As your home is the primary place of your activities during the year, the sukkah takes on that role and that function. So aside from eating, one should study 
in the sukkah and try to uh, entertain in the sukkah throughout the week of sukkos. It becomes your primary place of residence. Now, if one eats one of the five grains, which is wheat, barley, rye, oats, spilt, what you would call pasta, etc., a meal, he must eat that in the sukkah and recites the bracha after the particular bracha. You're having a bowl of spaghetti. You make two brachos. You make the bracha of bore mine mizonos and you make the bracha of leishev basuka. Okay? Now, um, this is very important. Ideally, one should even drink a glass of water in the sukkah, even though for sure you could have that in the house. And we're talking that your sukkah is right on, be it a porch, be it a uh, deck close to your kitchen, so it's relatively easy to have it. If you eat in the shul sukkah, not having your own sukkah, or you need to go to a neighbor's sukkah, then foods that are not from the five grains could be eaten in the home. But, needless to say, it is preferable to eat everything in the sukkah. Very, very important to understand this. Now, the first night of Sukkot, this coming Sunday night, just understand that it is mandatory, strong word, for men to eat in the Sukkot. I said men, I, if women wish to volunteer and perform this mitzvah, so not only can they do it, but Ashkenazic Jewry allows women to recite the bracha of Leishev Basuka as well. Now, this coming Sunday night, we've paid our dues, we've had sufficient rain behind us, and the weather is going to be very fitting for our eating in this sukkah. But just know the law. Should it R-A-I-N, just to show you how important it is, in that situation you would wait about a half an hour. If it doesn't stop, you would then uh, make Kiddush in the sukkah, even in the R-A-I-N. You would go in the house and wash, put in a plastic bag your piece of challah, and you'd come into the sukkah and eat the challah in the rain, and then a, a little bit more than a kezayis, try to go for like a kebetza, let's say at least the size of the middle slice of a rye bread or a nice piece of challah, and then you can continue the meal in the house. And when it stops, you would go back and say the bracha of leshe basuka. One would not say the leshe basuka in the rain. When it rains, it's not sukkahs. It's not that, oh, I'll sit with my raincoat or even during Cholamoid with an umbrella. There is absolutely 
no mitzvah to do that, to sit in the rain in the sukkah. Okay, now, just let's talk for a moment. As we mentioned before, the Arba Minim, the four species, the Torah says, It's got to be yours. And so, if a person doesn't have their own, then the practice is that you go to someone who has one, he gives you his four species, Matono Amanas Lahavzir. He's given to you as a gift on the condition that you give it back. You made two brachos on it, Al Nitilas Lulav and Shechianu. If you don't give it back, you didn't get the mitzvah. It was yours only on condition that you give it back. Okay? Now, thank God today uh, we do have uh, Baruch Hashem ample and sufficient supply of Arba Minim. Uh, this year being a Shemitah year, there are many that are cautious about purchasing the Arba Minim from Eretz Yisrael and there are many that will still insist on getting from Eretz Yisrael. Technically speaking, it comes from Otzer Bezdin. And ideally, just know, if you can, send it back to Eretz Yisrael. If not, just let it rot in the box. Okay, Ulkachtem Lachem, Torah says, Bayom Arishon, from the Torah on the first day, for us, first two days, Eretz Yisrael, first day, pre-Eitz Hadar, the Torah doesn't mention Esrog by name, but we know by tradition that it is the Esrog, the Citron, and Kapos Tamarim, the Lulav, a branch of the palm tree. The Torah then says the three Hadassim, and the two Arabos. Hadassim are the three myrtle, the two Arabos are the willow, and we tie the Hadassim and the Arabos, Hadassim to the right uh, of the Lulav with the spine holding the Lulav with the green part, fresh part of the Lulav facing you, its spine to the back, and, uh, nope, you have it running up the center. You have to the right your three Hadassim, to the left your two Aravos. And when you take them, you hold the three Hadassim if you're a righty in your right hand, a lefty in his left hand, and you hold the Esrog next to the Lulav. The Hadassim should be higher than the Arabos. One last very pretty thought. Rav Salvechik's Achronolavracha suggested that the mere holding of the Esrog next to the Lulav, as opposed to holding one in one hand and the other in the other hand and the hands being apart, is a form of demonstration that what we are doing on this Yom Tov is symbolically returning 
the fruit to the tree, undoing the sin of Adam Harisha. There is so much simcha and happiness and joy in the Yom Tov of Sukkos because as the Zohar calls it, it is a residence of Emuna. Our sitting there is a demonstration of our Emuna, and just as eating the matzah gives us Emuna, so too our sitting in the sukkah itself girds us with Emuna. Please, God, not just for the Yom Tov, but for this forthcoming year. I take this opportunity to wish Nachum and his family and the entire family of JM in the AM wishing all of you a wonderful Yom Tov. Enjoy the Yom Tov. The idea is that just realizing that we are satisfying His commandment, but at the same time, look how uplifting it is for His very special people. Wishing you a good Shabbos, a good Yom Tov, and once again, enjoy the Yom Tov.